You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. Hi, it's Shannon. Hey, it's Katie. And hey, it's Chelsea. Today, we are going to do another spooky story, and this is my redemption story since the last time I wrongfully assumed that there were hundreds of soldiers uh, buried at Valley Forge, but this is kind of about the same time frame. This is actually about Anthony Wayne, and he is known by Madman Anthony, and we're going to have a lot of history with this one, so if that's not your thing, please skip uh, because there's a lot of history. But at least you'll get to know your area more, I guess, I suppose. So Anthony Wayne's family arrived in Chester County in 1722. Anthony's grandfather was Captain Anthony Wayne and his father was Isaac Wayne. When his grandfather died, Isaac received 500 acres in his share of his father's estate. Anthony was born in 1745 and was known for his love of mathematics, which led him to training as to become a surveyor. And one of his jobs was commissioned by Benjamin Franklin. He was sent to Nova Scotia to survey and catalog the natural resources. This venture lasted only about a year before he returned to Waynesboro, which at the time was only five miles from Valley Forge. Because at first I looked at it and it shows like over two hours away from where we are now. So I guess over time things have kind of adjusted like town wise. But back then, yeah, back then for him, it was near Valley Forge. Oh, okay. And when he returned home, he turned his attention to his land and farming and he established a tannery. And if you're unfamiliar, a tannery is where they process animal hides to turn into leather. In 1774 to 75, Anthony served in the Pennsylvania legislature. It was short-lived because of the Revolutionary War, which started in 75. Anthony raised a regiment and ended up colonel in 76 his regiment was directed to canada for the battle of the three rivers and at the time the british were victorious during this battle and anthony was wounded and this led to his promotion to being a brigadier general in february 1777 and this rank is the lowest rank of a general officer and i personally am not good with all of the uh, like classes and you know, ranks and stuff like that, but I will list what his are. And there are a lot of battles that are listed, and um, I try to give as much background about them, and there's way more. I guess I didn't realize how many, like, I guess skirmishes were happening that, you know, counted towards this, so let's get into it. So Anthony had fought many battles, and in the beginning, a lot of them were lost due to being outnumbered, lack of provisions, and deserters informing their enemy, so the British, of their locations. And we already talked about that before, I think, with my last episode and Shannon's episode. It was rough around that time. Um, we were struggling. Some of the battles included were Battle of Brandywine, the Paoli Massacre, and the Battle of Germantown. So those were all lost to the British. And at this point, it wasn't looking too good for Anthony, and he kept having to prove he was valuable to George Washington, and he kept being court-martialed and um, kept having to, like, beg to be given another chance, if you will. Wow. Oh, yeah. Interesting. He was not giving up on himself. <laughs> then 
Yeah, I know. Good for him. I know. I think it's because I didn't mention it earlier, but he had other siblings. You know, back then it was really, you know, known to have large families. He was the youngest and all of his other family were like super well known within like, you know, um, fighting for their, you know, freedom and stuff. So I think he was, yeah, trying to prove himself. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, the Battle of Monmouth was a huge turning point for Anthony. The British were evacuating Philadelphia on June 18th, 1778. And at this point, Washington had pulled his troops. And about a week later, the two armies were only miles from each other. Anthony strongly urged Washington to immediately attack. And this was against other generals' advice. But Washington decided to trust him. And even though he went with Anthony, other generals decided not to follow him. And it kind of looked like it was going to be, you know, another flop, if you will. But Washington showed up to support him and they caught it. They caught the British between two hills. And during the night, they ended up, the British ended up retreating. And it was his first, like, real successful victory. And Washington was super happy. He reported to Congress, I cannot forbear mentioning Brigadier General Wayne, whose good conduct and bravery through the whole action deserves particular commendation. Yeah. I'm kind of proud of him. Like now <laughs> I was really rooting for him. I'm like, come yeah. on, Anthony, get it together. <laughs> Struggle is real. But honestly, like we talked about it, like back then they just were not real well organized. They were really struggling. Mm-hmm. I sure. had read um, apparently... This Anthony person loved to be well-dressed and stuff like that. And he really cared about his soldiers. And he always made sure that they at least had footwear before going into battle. So sometimes when he was sent to battle, it would delay a couple of days because he was making sure all his soldiers would have um, shoes. Wow. I mean, that's super nice of him, but also concerning. that. I mean, I get it. We were brand new as a country. So... The organization just wasn't there, but thanks for making sure we had shoes. Well, it's funny because now with the army, they stress taking care of your feet. So he's kind of maybe like ahead of the curve. A man ahead of his time. Always change your socks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Anthony then proved himself during the Battle of Stony Point. He conducted research and proposed this plan, this specific plan to Washington. It consisted of a small elite force of soldiers from different states. And basically, they were going to march under the cover of night and have a sneak attack, which at the time wasn't really common. Basically, people would kind of, um, the two sides would stand across from each other and shoot. Sure. Um, so there really weren't any tactics happening during war at that time. And really, the attack of surprise gave them the upper hand during this battle. Anthony received a severe scalp wound, like the musket oh. went straight oh. over. <laughs> yeah. But it did not stop him, and he continued on. And they were successful in overtaking Stony Point. Washington, again, praised Anthony in Congress, awarded him with a gold medal commemorative of his gallant services. Well. Then in 1781, Anthony was ordered south by Washington, and during the following weeks, Americans were blocking more British men from taking over from the sea. October 19th, 1781, Cornwallis, who led the British forces, surrendered to Washington in Yorktown, which I'm sure everyone knows out of most of the battles. That one was pretty important. And after that, basically, Anthony was ordered further south just to drive the British out, like the remaining of them out. 
1783, Congress promoted Anthony to major general. And with the victory of winning their freedom from Britain, Anthony wrote this in a letter to Robert Morris, who was a friend on October 26, 1781. Yet the resources of this country are great. And if councils will call them forth, we may produce a conviction to the world that we deserve to be free. For my own part, I am such an enthusiast for independence that I would hesitate to enter heaven through the means of a secondary cause unless I had made the utmost exertions to merit it. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And it kind of just has you think because like, honestly, this wasn't that long ago in retro, in like in like the scheme of things and just how important this was. Sure. It's very far from what I think a lot of people think about or feel about, if you will. It's heavy stuff. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that he was completely all about his country from his actions to his words. Yeah, for sure. So after we did win our freedom, he went back home to Waynesboro because he was in poor health. When he recovered, he took an active role in the Pennsylvania Assembly and was a member of the Constitutional Convention. In his later life, he was appointed by Washington to be the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Army to subdue the Indians in the Northwest. And these fights ended with the treaty at Greenville, which was aimed to dissipate the hostile territories around the Great Lakes. And then... Really, not all tribes agreed, but it ended the carnage for like a short period, as we know that extended. So these were Native Americans. Yeah, like sorry. that's what we're talking about. Okay, gotcha. No, no, no. I just, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> and honestly, everyone saw this as a victory, even though it was short-lived. Anthony was warmly welcomed home in Philly and Chester County, and he was really only home for a short period before traveling west for business. And during this quote-unquote business he ended up dying at fort press isle in 1796 but really it's only eerie so i don't really know why are they calling it an isle um that kind of confused me and i couldn't really find why they called it that but it's just eerie pa did they think it was a small island because i mean i know eerie is la or yeah. chimney or whatever sure. but maybe it was maybe at the time but it Definitely is actually not. Not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> so at the time he was traveling, he was kind of just a hot mess. He had contracted malaria. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had contracted malaria in 1782. He had two musket ball wounds from war. The one I did know it was him being scalped. I could not find what the other one was for. And then it was quoted in a couple different places that he did not eat the best. Some just said that, like, he wouldn't eat cooked, like, animals. He kind of ate them raw and, like, a lot of alcohol. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. No, watch down oh. them raw animals. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty gross. Yeah. Ew. I was, like, <laughs> did not eat well. Like, did he have a penchant <laughs> for, like, fried chicken? Or, like, what is going on? Yeah. Why mention that? And huh. I think with the right. animals, it really kind of led to him because uh, he recently, at the time of this travel, had contracted an agonizing case of gout, which apparently can be dependent on drinking alcohol and certain foods, yeah. especially um, animal or meats, if you will. So um, I think that might have something to do with like diabetes. Really? Too. My... Uh... My father-in-law suffers from that, so oh, sorry no. to call you out, Brad. He doesn't <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> um, I actually wasn't familiar, and I had to look it up. It be, it's, it's apparently common, more common than I thought, 
and but it's a complex form of arthritis. That's what it. Yeah, it did not know. There can be some swelling and yeah, it's just uncomfortable. Um, and it was stated that by the time Anthony actually had made it to the doctor between the traveling, uh, that it had moved to his stomach and it caused an ulcer to rupture, which oh. is oh. apparently not good. Pretty bad infection from that. No. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, but it was also believed that it was a possibility he was poisoned from a rival general. I mean, obviously, he got a lot of attention at that point. That would suck if that was the case. But they didn't do an autopsy. That would be the dumbest thing. You guys are fighting on the <laughs> same side, like a rival general on the same side, yeah. I'm assuming you mean. That yeah. was just jealous. Yep. Yeah, that's... That would suck. Oh. <laughs> Hard. Okay. Uh, Anthony, you know, it was not a, like a super fast death. I mean, it was a little bit. He had asked to be buried in his best uniform and buried at the foot of the camp's flagstaff where he was. He did not ask to go home. And that's what they did. They put a simple stone monument and they had like a little fence around it. So the army ended up abandoning the station years later and his gravesite ended up being neglected. Anthony's daughter, mm-hmm. Margareta, did not feel that her father's gravesite was really getting the proper attention for really what he put into this nation. And she wanted his body to be moved to the family's burial plot in Radnor Township. And at the time, it was way too expensive to move a body and women didn't really have a say in this time period. How? So that was kind of like kaput. <laughs> but I guess she uh, rustled her brother up her brother's name was Isaac and he got involved and he convinced the PA Society of Cincinnati, which I was a little bit confused about at first. The PA Society of Cincinnati is the oldest patriotic organization for Americans and it was established in 1783. I just don't know why it's the Society of Cincinnati. I couldn't find that exact answer, but Tisha. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But they, but uh, he reached out and they did end up funding them to move his body from the one plot to the new plot. And this was in 1809. Isaac went to Erie to retrieve the remains, but Isaac, I guess, couldn't stomach exhuming his own father. So they had a friend who was a doctor do this for him. His name was Dr. I wouldn't want to do that either. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure they don't have like the cemeteries like we do today, like hopefully have like a grounds person. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But. Ugh. Yeah. Not at all. So this the help that they were getting was from Dr. J.C. Wallace. And he was actually hella surprised that when he dug Anthony's grave, his body was barely decomposed. What? Yep. Only one foot and part of the leg was undergoing decomposition decomposition at this time and it's like how is that possible if he was buried for over a decade at that point but some assumed that it could be due to the cold because it's right along lake erie but that's still a long time i can't imagine it being that cold at least not year round i mean it does get really cold but But all year round right it's not year round yeah so so this was a huge issue for this group of people because embalming was kind of a rarity and it honestly wasn't available at a abandoned uh, uh, war area. So they're kind of SOL at that. And so it wasn't 
really sure who decided to make this uh, decision, but the doctor ended up removing the tissues from the bone. Oh. Yep. I didn't see this going yep. that way no. at all. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gets gross. They basically boiled his body down and scraped all the remains off the bones. Ew. Pretty gross. Then Dr. Really Wallace gross. dismembered him to make it easier. I bet old I and uh, Oh my god. I bet old yep. Isaac is real glad he got help now. Yeah. Yeah, ew. <laughs> it's awful. Onlooker said that it was a real macabre scene. Why were there onlookers? They just did it in public? This is wild. Um, I realize this is 200 years ago, but well, still. Well, apparently people, this wasn't like a fast thing. It took time. And some people went and took, like, cut some of his hair. As keepsake, someone took his shoes off because he was in a full uniform. So people did take stuff as they were going through it. The process. I shouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, this, like, um dark tourism or whatever has been around forever yeah well but apparently the guy that took it's still his, shocking well apparently the guy that took his shoes had never really had shoes and he basically took them and wore them until they were like completely unusable until he could i guess sell them for the fact that they were anthony wayne's shoes okay but so the man made sure that all he delayed war to make sure that all of the troops had shoes and then somebody won't even let him continue to be buried with his shoes. Yep. It's pretty sad. That is sad. Oh, God, that is sad. Super sad. So once they got through this process, they put the bones into a small casket and then they kind of didn't know what to do with what they boiled and pulled off of the bones. So they actually just put it back into the grave at that was at Erie. And this was including the tools, the water they boiled. Um, yeah. Well, they put it all back. Ew. Yeah. It's like a but then they like a took his bones. Yep. Uh. <laughs> like in the ground with the water and the oh yeah. my goodness. Pretty gross. No wonder he's mad. Mm -hmm. I'd be mad yeah. too. So Isaac basically took this small casket back, carted his father back home, and they actually did bury just the bones with military honors on October 24th, 1809. And it has this wonderful, beautiful monument. I did post it at the bottom of the doc, um, the document. If you want to look at it, it's absolutely a, like a fantastic little memorial to him, if you will. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And I'm so glad like he obviously deserved a proper burial with a monument that's maintained but i get i bet like isaac was like pissed at his sister then for <laughs> suggesting uh, making him suggesting that he do that yeah. yeah after he went through all that well it doesn't get better so oh. we'll talk a little bit about his journey with the bones um so when they were kind of like parting these bones the roads kind of aren't like what they are today obviously <laughs> definitely not paved and it was really... Are you sure? Because our roads suck here. They so. kind of do. Um, I think they're worse now. They're doing so much road work. I think I'm part of that problem because I have a ton of jobs for like all these roads to be ripped up. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks, Chelsea. Yeah, no. The other day, Sean was like, is this one of your jobs? I was like, no. <laughs> 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 it's a problem. Um, But apparently the cart 
I tipped over a couple of times and like the casket opened and the bones fell out. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. It's not funny. This is one of my like nervous laughter moments, but yeah. I mean, how bizarre yep. that, I mean, it's a comedy of errors. Secure them. Man. Yes. Yep. Yep. So basically wow. he has remnants of like his skeletal remains from Erie all the way back to around Valley Forge. Well, my God. Yep. So we went over Anthony Wayne's amazing life story. So kind of where does the spooky come in? And I, maybe I shouldn't have to ask you because you've all kind of picked up on the awful ending. But, um, you know, we talked about how his remains are coming out of the casket. And um, according to allthingsliberty.com, every January 1st on Anthony's birthday, his ghost rides along with his horse, which his favorite horse at the time of his um, when he was alive was called Nab. And he kind of rides the roads of the Keystone State in search of his lost bones. That's like the theory. What about his skin? Is he also searching <laughs> for his skin? Yeah, everything else. Or his shoes. Who knows? Right. Or his shoes. <laughs> Uh, this ghost has been often seen along U.S. Route 322 that runs southwest across PA. And apparently due to having two official burials and body parts in between, Anthony's spirit will forever be at unrest. That's what's like surmised, I suppose. That's sad. Yeah. It is. Like, I don't know how deeply I believe in that stuff, but some people really do. And if you if you're kind of scattered everywhere. Yeah. How can you be at rest? Exactly. Um, it also doesn't seem that he only sticks to Route 322, but according to the Wiser Field Guide to Ghosts, he has been seen spotted in areas such as Route 1 near the Brandywine Battlefield and Fort... Oh, gosh. Someone else can say this. Ticonderoga. Thank you. Yep, that word. Pennsylvania's hard. It is. Um, And just for me... With someone that seems so pivotal in America's beginning, it just doesn't seem fair. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And like, what were what were the common rituals then? You know, like that was so early. Yeah, it's kind of really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And this one isn't as spooky as Grace's. I did love Grace's episode, but it gives you it's really nice to have stories about the area because honestly, he was all over Pennsylvania and if you want to dig more into him, there's just so much more information that we didn't even get to touch or go into. Um, there's just loads of stuff. He had a ton of interest, obviously, with war, but a ton of interest outside of war. And you definitely won't be disappointed if you, if you look into it. There's books about him. You know, he's definitely listed in a lot of different guides from ghost guides to, you know, um, being one of the like top leaders. He is also on a ton of monuments all over Pennsylvania and even in some other states that are further down south. Also, I touched on it before. He was the youngest of some amazing other men who were invaluable during the freedom of America. All of his family have achievements on and off the battlefield. And like I said, it's just really nice to hear some of these stories in cities that we kind of live near. So... I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the next spooky story will be an extra episode posted on Halloween. So keep an eye out and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember.
remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.